Welcome to Herbs with Erin, Remedies for Body and Spirit podcast, where we help people explore the power of herbs to create optimal wellness and strengthen their spiritual practice so they can feel healthy and connected. Information provided in the podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not meant to take the place of professional medical advice. Welcome to episode nine. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Melissa. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. I've heard a bit about your story going from a medical doctor to being a CEO of your own business today. And I'd wondered if you could tell our listeners about that transition and how you came to work for yourself. Oh, absolutely. That is a great question. You know, I always joke uh, with my red hair that I was born on fire. And I, I think I really came out wanting to change the world and wanting to help people. And as a child, I was really unique healing abilities that I didn't really know what to do with in my childhood, teenage years. So with my desire to help people, it seems like an obvious choice to become a doctor. And so that's what I did. I started off in med school and I, I quickly learned once I started working with people that my gifts were, they were a challenge uh, because I was so empathic, I could feel what other people were feeling. So, you know, if they were nauseated, I was nauseated. If their knee hurt, my knee hurt. If they were feeling anxious, I felt anxious. And it was really way too much when, you know, I would see so many patients over the course of the day and their worried loved ones. And so I really shut that off. And I, I just focused on the, the mental knowledge portion. And I really learned everything that I could as a doctor. And it, it served me well. I was named to the best doctors list by my peers. That's a list of the top 5% of doctors in the nation. But what I learned was that knowledge didn't serve everything. It, it didn't solve all problems. And so I remember at one point, I think I was probably around 33, maybe four or five years into practice. And I remember thinking, gosh, I wish I could I could feel what this person was feeling. Like, I wish I could know if this woman's chest pain was just like that little muscle twinge that people get once in a while that's like totally no big deal, or if this was actually something that I needed to worry about. And after I had had that thought a few times with a few different patients, it occurred to me, I used to be able to feel that. What if I could turn that back on and use that in a meaningful way in my in my work. And so I started doing that. Um, and that was really helpful. I learned to kind of dial in my empathy, almost like turning up or turning down the volume. And then as time went on, I realized that there are other things that Western medicine just doesn't solve. It's not so much that it's wrong. It's more that I see issues as like a disco ball. And Western medicine has some of the facets, but it certainly doesn't have all of the facets. And so as I started doing more exploration of Eastern medicine and energetic medicine, and as I started working more in that space on myself and with my five children, I started to really struggle with the duality of being a doctor in a world where I could help them, but I, I couldn't in you know an academic 
Medical Center, that the only tool in my toolbox I was really allowed to use was my knowledge of Western medicine. And so when that duality became so strong that I really couldn't avoid it any longer, it was very clear to me that it was time to set off and to work with people on true healing, whether that's at a mind, body, or spirit level. Wow. You brought up so many important points from, you know, knowledge, our analytical brain um, didn't so- can't solve all the problems. You see things like a disco ball in Western medicine has some tools to use and sometimes they don't. So I really wanted to dive a little bit more deeper into what you just said there. Science and intuition. Do you see them as having some overlaps? And do you see them obviously as having some differences? But I'm just wondering how that all fits in for you. Do you see them as opposites or overlaps? No, I see I see them. It's a great question. I see them really as sort of two sides of the same coin. And in fact, you know, I, I love to talk about divine feminine, divine masculine. The science is is the masculine and the intuition is the feminine. And so all science really has been inspired by intuition. Some people don't just like do random studies, right? And then come up with something new. There's always a new idea, a hypothesis. There's something that they're testing with science and and then science bears it out. So I really see science as being completely inspired by intuition. You know, like I frequently think about scientific things, you know, like who would have ever thought shooting a laser into someone's eye would give them better vision? Or minoxidil makes people's hair grow. Rogaine um, was originally a blood pressure medication. So intuition, I think, is what fuels science. And then the studies sort of prove what someone intuitively knows to be true or give us more information about that. I think they absolutely go together in that regard. Interestingly, though, intuition is fairly disregarded in uh, Western medicine other than to use it to get to the root of, of what the patient's really asking or what they're really needing. Oh, absolutely. I think that as an herbalist myself, I think that intuition and inspiration, whatever word we use, has really helped us move um, scientific studies forward and give us that um, kind of aha moment, let's look into it. And then science helps us detect and pull out some more data to say, yes, we're on to something and have it more concrete. So I am totally with you on those lines of thought. What is it that you do now as the CEO of your own business? What is the service that you're offering people in your new capacity? I frequently tell people that I solve unsolvable problems. So using intuition, using my healing abilities, and using connection not only to my own soul, but to a client's soul, I'm able to really get to the root of whatever issue might be going on and energetically extract it. So by way of examples, you know, I had a woman earlier this year who had had asthma essentially her whole life. We eliminated that in one session. We, we literally pulled it out of her body. She doesn't have asthma anymore. I had a woman this year who had hip pain for 22 years 
she had seen all the doctors, done all the, you know, CAT scans, MRIs, whatever. Then she moved on to chiropractors, energy healers, Reiki, you name it, and we pulled that hip pain out. Sometimes it's beliefs that uh, parents have imprinted or uh, beliefs that have been imprinted in a past life. And rather than coaching through them, which can take some time, really as long as the client is willing to let it go, we sort of harvest the gains of what the lesson was of that symptom or block or imprint and, and pull it out. What I find is that my clients move very quickly. The client that I had, had just mentioned previously has done about five years worth of personal development in the three months because, you know, her, her soul presents an issue and we resolve it. And then next week her soul will present the next one. And so it's very exciting uh, work for people who are really soul-driven, self-actualizing, the people who are here to change the world, to really help them remove the obstacles and get out of their own way, whatever those obstacles are, mind, body, spirit, kind of emotional kind of obstacles, and keep moving forward. Well, that's, that's absolutely amazing. One of the things I'm wondering is, can people who feel like they don't have this intuition, do you think they have it? Or do you think certain people are born with it? I think everyone has the ability to access it. And some people come in sort of innately knowing how to access more of it. Certainly, you know, in terms of the various types of, of clairs, you know, clairvoyance being seeing, clairaudience, hearing, uh, claircognizance, the inner knowing, the feeling, the smell. I, I believe everyone has the ability to access all of those. Some of them are just really un, undeveloped or underdeveloped for certain individuals and that they absolutely can be developed in anyone. Yeah, I think of it as muscle, and I cannot do a pull-up to save my life at this point. And I do think that I could, and I am, you know, training my upper body strength to, to get there, but it's very, very small baby steps. So is there any type of small baby steps somebody could do to kind of develop their intuitive muscle, so to speak? Oh, absolutely. And you know, it's, it's really interesting that we're having this conversation because I think my answer might have even been different a month ago. So I'm, I'm thinking about if I'm going to give you last month's answer or this answer, or I'll give you a combination. <laughs> yeah, do it. Yeah. <laughs> so a month ago, I would have said, absolutely, it's possible to develop it. And when I turned everything back on, and one of the things that I did was to check in with myself really regularly about little things, almost the kind of things you'd check in with a toddler about, like me asking myself, Melissa, do you want to wear this shirt today or do you want to wear that shirt? And then waiting for a felt response in terms of, you know, which one, which one felt right or really checking in with regard to, you know, what do I want to eat for breakfast? Really listening, not just to what tastes, sounds like it would taste good, but is my body wanting more fat today? Is it wanting more carbs today? Is it wanting more B12 and I need to eat more eggs today? <laughs> you know, whatever the case may be. And I do know that the more we, we listen and the more we access those intuitive abilities, the more they're given to us. So finding ways 
to practice accessing all of them are great baby steps. So that's the answer that I would have given you a month ago, and I would still say that that's true. And what I've learned since then in the one-on-one work that I'm doing with one client in particular is that by manner of clearing the physical symptoms, the imprints, the beliefs, the past life trauma, the various things that were not hers to begin with, through clearing those over the last three months, her intuition and healing abilities has been completely turned on in a way that I didn't know was possible. Um, People have asked me for years if I could train other people to do what I do, and I thought, no, I don't really know how I can do that. And what I'm seeing is that clearing all of that other stuff, it's turned on. The clarity, the alignment, the intuition, the, the inner knowing being so strong, and even, you know, serious heat coming out of her hands and feet in terms of healing abilities and things that she had never accessed um, until recently. And we started working together about three months ago. So that clearing is, I believe, hugely helpful to getting that all, you know, really turned on and dialed in and amped up. I have a a master's degree of science um, in the environmental studies field, and I also use intuition um, as an herbalist and plant priestess. And so, you know, I have that science intuition duality going on, and I know that it can be tricky sometimes when my intuitive brain and my analytical brain are trying to calibrate what's happening at that moment. Um, I just wonder how have you been able to, I don't know if you have to shut off your scientific mind sometimes. Does, does that get in the way of your intuition ever? Do you doubt yourself? How do you reconcile all that? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And in the beginning, I really had, um, I had more trouble with that than I do now. I would say my intuition is always right. I'm always going to go with my intuition. I can't really think of any instance where I wouldn't, which which doesn't mean that I would do away with all Western medicine. I think it really has its place, as does the science. And I know that much of what we believe to be true as science is not necessarily. There's so much about the mind that we, we don't know and, and the influence. And a, an example I love to use of this is, you know, one of my three board certifications is lipidology, which is like crazy cholesterol disorders. And I was at this conference and they had someone from, I don't remember where, Harvard or something, cardiologist, like a big name place presenting on what diet would be heart disease. And they presented all the scientific evidence one after the next, after the next, you know, this great 45 minute presentation. And if I had only heard that one, I would say like, wow, that's exactly the way people need to eat because the the evidence is so strong. And then the next person who was also a cardiologist from an equally big place goes and presents tons of data that is stating essentially the opposite. (laughs) And they, they did it as this point counterpoint kind of thing. So it raises the question, you know, in terms of the validity of the science, it's not that there was anything wrong with the studies. I think that there, there's variability and there's impact from the mind that we just don't, we just don't know. I do know that if, if I've been told since I was a young child that eating after 6 p.m. is going to make me fat, I would be far more likely to have problems with weight if I was eating after 6 p.m. than if I didn't. 
you know, that eating after 6 p.m. is maybe not the issue at all. Maybe it's the fact that I was conditioned to believe that that was true. And there are so many things in terms of science that, that we were just taught to believe is true. You know, you shouldn't eat fruit for breakfast because it turns on carb metabolism instead of fat metabolism or other things in the medical space where it's made me really challenge any thought that I have that's coming from science is, is that actually true? And do I, do I really know that to be true if it is contrary to what my intuition is telling me? And most often it's, it's not, or at least it's not necessarily. Yeah. I often say the same kind of sentiment that you said, which is, I love research and I also distrust research at the same time because we actually can, as humans, make the data do what we want at times. And we're certainly building in components of research to help us keep our bias out. But um, I love research and intuition, science um, research as data points. So they all are giving us some sort of data and I don't regard one higher than the other. Um, necessarily. I may in certain situations, but um, I just think that the way we view science needs to change a little bit. Absolutely. And I think that science is great for proving something that we already uh, believe and know to be true. But, you know, like I said before, the mind is so involved. I, I am completely convinced in terms of the way people manifest their their own beliefs into their reality that if someone you know believes that watermelon is reducing their blood pressure whether any study would ever bear that out that watermelon could i mean i'm making this up like Mm -hmm. as an example that watermelon could reduce blood pressure it's irrelevant for that person because if they believe that to be true that's the result they're going to get especially if they believe it like wholeheartedly i I find that the more you believe it the more that faith or what have you um the stronger that's going to be so it, it is fascinating i think we have a long ways to to learn this in our uh, western world as well and there's also something else i wanted to touch on about how you know people will say well i got this gut feeling that something's going to happen and i have started to see little um bits and pieces of how science is actually saying well this gut feeling literally might be real because we have a microbiome in our in our gi system and those microbes and such might be actually picking up certain indicators in our environment. Let's say somebody's standing across from you and they're very stressed. That microorganism system in our body might actually be able to pick up stress hormones that are floating around in the air and then signal to our body, hey, something's happening here and gives us that gut feeling. I don't know if you've ever seen that research or heard about it. Yeah, absolutely. And even more so, You know, people talk now about the belly brain in terms of the neural tissue, the 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 nerves and the the nerve receptors and the whole nervous system in the belly. You know, it's in the belly and it's in the brain. When they refer to the belly brain, more than eighty percent of the impulses go from the belly to the brain that's in the head, not the other direction. It's totally picking up the information whether that's from the microbiome, whether that's, uh, you know, in terms of the intuition, 
but it's sending that information to to the brain to the that's in the head uh, to make a decision. The brain in your head is really just comparing things against like, well, this situation seems kind of like this other situation and that situation is scary, so maybe I should be scared. Or, you know, it, and then it's triggering other neural pathways. But the vast majority of the communication goes from the belly to the head, not the other way around. That's fascinating. And I'm, I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Chinese um, traditional medicine has always known this. I mean, they've known this for a long, long time. And other types of ways of looking at the body and the, and the mind and all that, different cultures have different you know, ways of looking at it. It's just a great thing, I think, to have diversity in our medical system so that we can start to use these different perspectives and maybe sh- help us, inform us to do something different. Oh, absolutely. I think that was one of the biggest challenges with the duality. You know, when, when I would see woman after woman in her 40s come in who was exhausted, you know, not just tired, but exhausted to the point that she couldn't enjoy time with her husband. She couldn't enjoy time with her kids. She couldn't enjoy her job. Everything felt like work. She was exhausted. In the, in the medical world, you know, we check, the, check her thyroid, check, make sure she's not anemic, check a vitamin D level. And then the response is like, I don't know, sleep more. I, you know, there's really nothing. But in an energetic and intuitive healing capacity, we could resolve that very quickly. Just uh, different. I call them um, other ways of knowing. The intuition is a way of knowing. Science is a way of knowing. There's all these. uh, Reiki is a different way of knowing. You know, they're all there for us. And so having said that, why do you think intuition is important in today's world? Oh, I think intuition is so important in today's world uh, for a couple reasons, really. One you know, we, we can have, we have competing information that is thrown at us all the time. If you, if you look in the traditional media or on social media or wherever, um, you know, we have competing information regarding politics. We have competing information about whether or not we should be wearing masks. We have competing information about whether or not we should be vaccinated. We have competing information about all kinds of things. And if we check in on those things that we're unsure about with our intuition, we will, and if we know how to access our intuition and get accurate information, then we know what decision is going to be right for us. And I think that's the key is that um, I know even in herbalism and in Western medicine, I've seen this too. There's not a one size fits all answer for everybody. And the science and the intuition, like I said before, are data points to help us make our own personalized decisions. I think our society needs to shift and remember that, that there's lots of things out there and it's not just one size fits all. Absolutely. And I think, that's where even the, you know, like what diet should I eat that's healthiest, it really holds true. And there are people who um, lose weight and feel great on paleo. There's people who lose weight and feel great on keto. There's people who lose weight and feel great on low fat. There's, you know, and it, the list goes on and on and on, right? And when we intuitively check in with what our body needs 
and what uh, is going to make us feel healthiest and best. And we align which with, with the one of those that we're intuitively guided to choose, we get far better results than when we try to you know, force ourselves in a, in another direction. Right, exactly. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for coming to the podcast. How can people get in touch with you if they want to work with you and learn more about your services? Oh, yeah. Email is great. I, I check email all the time. And that is just melissa at melissacaltmd.com. Thank you so much for coming to the podcast today, Dr. Melissa. Thank you, Erin. Thank you for joining the Herbs Podcast. Please connect with me on fullcircleherbals.com or the Facebook page, Full Circle Herbals. I'd be happy to receive suggestions for future podcast topics.